this episode of Newtown Radioactive, Newtown returns in a somewhat more timely manner as I take a break from my X-Men fandom to delve into the Spider-Verse. Plus, I talk about my winter reading list, take a look at some new features on Newtown, and introduce folks to Recon, our new seeing eye puppy. Welcome to Newtown Radioactive. I am your host, Ken Newquist. I wanted to kick off this podcast by talking about a member of my family who's been with us for a while and who's going to be leaving pretty soon. His name is Recon. He's a black Labrador retriever, and he is a seeing eye puppy. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the seeing eye, it is a school in New Jersey that raises uh, guide dogs for the blind and visually impaired. And so what we do as a seeing eye puppy raiser is we take in these puppies when they're about seven weeks old. We train them in socialization and obedience. And after about a year, when they're 14 to 16 months old, they go back to the seeing eye. And if everything goes well, uh, they pass their physical, they get uh, trained by the seeing eye in advanced uh, skills. Like we don't teach them actually how to guide a visually impaired or blind person. Uh, what we're teaching them is how to live in the world. Uh, what they're teaching them is how to actually do their job. Uh, if the training goes well, then they get paired with their partner and they get to go out in the world and be a working dog. Uh, didn't quite go that way with Recon. We got him in July 2019 at seven weeks old, which is pretty normal. Um, and instead of going back uh, when he was 14 to 16 months old, he's going to be going back in early March when he's 22 months old, almost two years. As you might imagine, like so many things, the delay is because of COVID. The seeing eye shut down uh, in the heat of COVID at the, very, at the beginning of the outbreak. And as a result, there was nobody there to receive the dogs to come back. In fact, all of the puppies actually went back out into the world to their former puppy raisers, other puppy raisers, people who had been part of the program in the past. And uh, we all kind of hunkered down until the program could restart and we could send the puppies back. So at this point, uh, Recon is as ready to go as he possibly can. We're really excited to send him off to puppy college. It is hard. That is the number one question that people ask me uh, and my family whenever we talk about raising seeing eye dogs. It is hard to give them up. But the thing is, as I've said before on the podcast, you know, it, you're, you're sending them off to do good things. Ultimately, it's like your kids, right? You you raise them, you teach them as best you can, and but you want them to go off. You want them to go to college. You want them to succeed in the world. You want to be them to be their own persons. Now, seeing eye puppies, they're going off to do their job where they're guiding a person. But at the end of the day, they're helping someone, and that's it's been really important to my family and I. And we're going to be sad to see Recon go, but there isn't a better dog that we could have had for the uh, the 22 months <laughs> that we had him for, and uh, and for much of that being during COVID. He's just uh, he's just a really remarkable, smart, charming, chill dog. He's got these great eyes and a sweet disposition, and he just he loves to work with people. I think that the, that's been the hardest thing for COVID, um, hardest thing during COVID for him 
you know, he had a routine. We'd get up, we'd walk to work and he'd stay in my office. He'd go to meetings and, and he'd be able to do all these things. And when COVID hit, well, suddenly that wasn't something we could do anymore because we we're working from home. So we've maintained some of our routine. Uh, we still go for walks in the morning and I'll bring him upstairs and he'll work in my home office, but it's not really the same. Like it's not the sort of distraction training you get when you go into a conference room and there's eight other people and he needs to know to ignore them and ignore all the weird smells in the room and, and what have you. So Anyway, he's heading off. We're going to be sad to see him go. We are hoping to raise another puppy at some point in the coming year, but we shall see how that goes. We don't have a timeline for getting a new pup, so when it happens, it'll happen. As you have undoubtedly noticed, it is currently winter in the Northern Hemisphere, and oh my gosh, what a winter it has been here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we received close to three feet of snow. Gosh, I guess it was last week. Seems like a month ago. There was a lot of shoveling, tremendous amount of snow, some of which has melted. But the amazing thing, folks, is that we've, we're having just a good old fashioned winter here in Pennsylvania where you get that big snowstorm and then every two to three days you get another snowstorm. So since then we've probably had like another four inches of snow and scattered across a couple different mornings. Next week we've got two storms on the way. One looks like it's going to be like, you know, like four to six inches. The other one looks like it's going to be five to 10 inches. This is, this is a tremendous amount of snow. However, the upside to all this snow is more time inside, and more time inside means more opportunities to read, and that in turn means my winter reading list. Now, unlike my summer reading list, which is usually 10 to 18 books, my winter reading list is a little bit smaller. It's usually like three to five books, stuff I can knock out over Christmas break, you know, stuff I can kind of pick up by the nightstand and read for uh, you know a couple minutes before going to bed. It's not as quite as intensive as the summer reading list. So what's on it? Well, I started off with Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn. This is, it actually has a way longer title, but I'm not going to give it right now. Suffice it to say, this is a Star Wars book about the early days of everyone's favorite blue alien, Thrawn. It takes place in the Chiss Ascendancy and involves the rise of a piratical, piratical? pirate threat to Thrawn's homeland. It's a fast, fun read. Don't go in expecting too much, and I think you'll be entertained. It's just, it's good Zan doing what Zan does, and if you like Thrawn, it's worth picking up. Also, I picked up uh, the very thematically appropriate At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft, specifically the illustrated version with the illustrations done by uh, Francois uh, Barringer. Uh, this is a beautifully haunting book that captures the isolation and splendor of Antarctica and the growing cosmic horror that Lovecraft is known for. The book was being published, is being published in two parts. The first one's out now, but the second part comes out in 2021. If you are a fan of Lovecraft, if you're a fan of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, this is a book you need to pick up. It is just beautiful and, and just... Uh, just the sort of thing you want to read on a cold winter day because it's just so appropriate for the season. So the last book I want to talk about is The Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. This is the fourth book in the Stormlight Archive. Launching this book and hearing Michael Kramer and Kate Redding speak again was like coming home to old friends. They've, they've been narrating all of Robert Jordan's books as well as the previous three Stormlight Archive books. And so taken together, I have listened to these folks 
for weeks of time. I mean, literal weeks of time because each of these books is so ridiculously large. So, you know, I listened to them driving to my old job, hiking around the neighborhood, driving to Vermont for vacation, you name it. And it was just great to fire up the book and hear their voices just one more time. Really, it's just, it's like sitting down on the couch with a nice warm cup of coffee or cocoa or something. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to this book. My son actually read it when it came out earlier this year. He ripped through it in no time at all. I was actually feeding, finishing up my summer reading list, so I'm only getting to it now. Uh, he enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading it so we can actually geek out about it. The biggest challenge I'm going to have with this book is how ridiculously long it is. It's over 1,200 pages, 1,200 and change, and it's 57 hours long. It's actually like 57 and a half hours long. I mean, that's that's... That's more than two days worth of material, folks. This this is an incredibly huge book. This is ultimately, however, a good thing. Uh, first of all, I'm really enjoying the series, so I'm certainly not going to complain about getting to listen to some of my uh, favorite narrators read one of my favorite authors' books. But more than that, it provides me with the inspiration I need to get out of bed and go for a walk in the morning. In the summer, this is easy. It's sunny. It's nice. You get up, you roll out of bed, the sun's up at 5.30 in the morning. In the winter, we're just starting to get back to the point where the sun is up at like 6.30, maybe maybe 6. I don't know. I don't get, I'm not getting up that early right now because I'm waiting for the freaking sun to come up. I really need that sunlight exposure, right? And so getting my butt out of bed and going outside into the cold, which, oh, by the way, there's all that snow, uh, is hard. And so having the extra inspiration that comes from listening to this book, uh, hopefully it'll get my butt moving because really this is the only way that I'm going to actually finish this book in a timely manner. Get up, go for a 30 to 45 minute walk, re rinse and repeat, and maybe sometime before the summer I'll actually be done with this book. So as I close out this segment, I did want to talk a little bit about some new features at Nuketown. There's two things that I started up. They're two new columns. One is called Blogworthy. This is basically an assortment of interesting stories that I came across on the internet. They are totally random. They could be recipes. They could be stories about hiking. They could be stories about geeky stuff, new trailers, movies, podcasts, whatever. If I think it's interesting, I throw it in the blog worthy. And then every couple of weeks, maybe a week, every week, maybe like once a month, I'll put up a new column. The other column I started is the at Nuketown SF recap. And the idea here is I just gather up the various tweets that I've done from the Nuketown account, put them into a single blog post, throw them up on Nuketown. So if you weren't following along throughout the week, that's okay. You can just come in, check out the column and uh, get all caught up with what we've been tweeting about. So what am I tweeting about? Well, for the last couple of weeks, I've been making a concerted effort to actually post more material to the Nuketown SF account. And it's really just quick hit stuff, stuff that like I'm doing every day that I just kind of want to share out with people because it's getting me into a better, more creative routine. So I've been posting uh, comics and coffee where I talk about the comic book that I read that particular morning over coffee. Uh, I talk about what books I'm reading. I talk about what games I'm playing. Actually, it kind of sound kind of like this podcast, but in uh, short, uh, short little bursts. And so far, I have to say it's been working out pretty well. More interactions on the Twitter account, more followers on the Twitter account. I mean, not like wild and crazy, but, you know, I picked up a few folks, had some good conversations, a little bit of back and forth, which is really all I was really trying to do. So if you want to keep up with Nuketown, you can stop by the site, check out Blogworthy, check out Nuketown SF Recap. Might learn something. Mm -hmm.
when it comes to comic books and Marvel in general, I'm a huge X-Men fan. This is where I cut my teeth as a kid. These are the books I started reading when I was in high school. These are the books I've been reading ever since. And I love the movies even when they suck. What can I say? Well, that may not be true. Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix were, were pretty dismal. And I haven't tried New Mutants yet. But the point is, hope springs eternal. And I'll always go and see the new movies in hopes that they will not suck. <laughs> Which occasionally gets me a fair amount of, uh, well, let's just call it crap for my, uh, my coworkers and friends. But hey, you know what? I'm an X-Men fan. I'm not going to walk away from them just because they had a few bad movies, right? I'm not going to walk away from the comic books when the titles aren't popular anymore. I, I'm going to keep reading through and through because I love X-Men. That having been said, occasionally I like to venture further out into the multiverse that is comic books. And over the last couple of years, surprisingly, that multiverse has included Spider-Man. So I've read Spider-Man on and off for years, but that mostly switched to off after the whole One More Day storyline in which Peter Parker's marriage to Mary Jane was retconned out of existence thanks to a deal with a demon. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, well, let's just say it wasn't one of my favorite storylines, and I just, I just could not read the subsequent stuff that came. That said, I did keep up with the Spider-Verse. In large part because of my daughter. She was looking for female superheroes that she could read about. And I came across uh, Spider-Gwen, which is Gwen Stacy from an alternative universe. She's the one who gets bitten by the radioactive spider. And it's Peter Parker who dies. As well as uh, Silk, who I, I remember correctly is from Peter's, like the prime Marvel universe. But she was bitten by the same spider that Peter was bitten by. Uh, that was a little bit, perhaps a little bit more far-fetched. Ah, uh, heck, it's Spider-Folk. It's the multiverse. Anything is possible. In any case, my daughter really enjoyed these books, and I was happy to get them for her. And I was glad that there were these kinds of superheroes out there for her to read. So I was kind of vaguely aware of what was going on in the Spider-Verse when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out. And this is an animated movie from a couple of years ago, and it's a fantastic film that pulls together all the variant Spider-People that Marvel spun out over the last decade. This includes Michael Morales, who is the Afro-Latino Spider-Man from the Ultimate Universe, as well as the aforementioned Gwen Stacy. Spider-Noir, who's from like the 1930s, <laughs> his shtick in the movie is that he is rendered in black and white while everybody else is cover. Uh, Penny Parker in her telepathic spider-powered mecha. Uh, Spider-Dad, uh, which is a variant Spider-Man who's a, a bit older. Um, my <laughs> my kids like to call him Spider-Dad and uh, like to draw comparisons between the two of us. And uh, Spider-Ham, who is, who is an animated Spider-Man. This is just an amazing, an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, you really need to go out and see it. It has awesome visuals, great music, and just a tremendous story. It is easily the best Spider movie that Sony's put out. It might be the best Spider-Man movie ever. I could just watch it on a continuous loop. In fact, I have watched it on a continuous loop. Having watched the Spider-Verse, that inspired me to go out and check out the original Spider-Verse mega event in the comic books through Marvel Unlimited. It features Spider-People from out the multiverse being hunted by life-draining inheritors. As the stories go, it, it doesn't quite pack the same emotional punch as Into the Spider-Verse, but it's got the same sort of gonzo, what's in this universe fun that the movie has. Uh, I've never collected the print editions of all of those uh, titles, but Marvel Unlimited made it really easy to go back and read them all. I then went back and read uh, <laughs> the subsequent 
follow-up to this, which was called Spider-Geddon, which was another massive crossover event that included even more uh, Spider-People from across the multiverse, and it featured the return of the the Inheritors, and uh, involves some interesting ethical battles as the Spider-Friends debate how to end the threat once and for all in an appropriate way that doesn't involve just killing everyone. So while all this is going on, a tremendously awesome, <laughs> amazing uh, video game came out called Spider-Man for PlayStation. Um, I have not played very many uh, Spider-Man video games, mostly because superhero video games tend to be terrible. And uh, honestly, the Spider-Man video games tend to be even more terrible than the average. And so that's where you know I, I heard there were great reviews of Spider-Man, uh, the video game for PS4. And I have to say, it just upends all the expectations that I had for a Spider-Man game. In so much as I assumed it was going to suck, and it didn't. (laughs) The game puts you in the role of Peter Parker in yet another variant Spider-Verse. This time around, he's Dr. Octavius's lab assistant. Uh, The good doctor hasn't transformed into uh, Dr. Octopus. Well, at least not yet. While Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin in other universes, is the mayor of the town. Uh, The game opens with Peter having just taken down Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the kingpin of crime, only to find that Fisk had been holding back an even worse criminal. It's got a tight story set against an open world Manhattan. Um, and the web slinging mechanic is just is simply fantastic. It is tremendous fun to be able to swing your way across the city. There's all of these tremendous landmarks everywhere, which are lovingly recreated. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just really a tremendous game. Uh, the core button mashing mechanic rewards those who cares about combos, but it doesn't punish those who, like me, are perhaps not quite so fast or honestly aren't willing to dedicate the time to figuring out exactly how to get the perfect uh, power combo. And I still had a hell of a fun time playing the game. They have the standard sort of open world collectibles, you know, go around, take pictures of stuff, get rewarded for it. Um, and some other things, I think backpacks that Peter had left scattered around the city that you can collect that have these little mementos from his, uh, his time as a teenager in the city. But honestly, they're, they're really just an excuse to go web slinging. Now the sequel, which just came out recently, I think it was in November of 2020. Uh, it's Miles Morales' turn. And this time you follow Miles around the city as Peter and Mary Jane go to Europe for the winter. I should note that in the original Spider-Man game, uh, Peter is older. I think he's like in his mid-20s. So that too was an interesting choice because you're not just doing standard teenage Peter Parker, right? Because we've seen that story so many times before. And it was cool to have like, you know, Peter with a job and actually having to deal with all that stuff. Meanwhile, in Miles Morales, you are playing a teenager, and uh, you're doing lots of, of web swinging around New York, as you might expect. And there's plenty of uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man action, thanks to a Spidey app that one of his friends develops. <laughs> he had to have one eventually. The game revolves around uh, Roxxon, and it's planned to deploy a bunch of next-generation power plants around the city, power plants whose cores make people sick. It's uh, It riffs on many of the same themes as Into the Spider-Verse, and it even includes... Uh, Spider-Verse inspired, inspired, <laughs> inspired costumes and gameplay modes. Uh, like there's a there's a, a mod that you can unlock in which the frame rate is changed to match the movie. And there's another mod where you can have uh, the kind of cosmic uh, cosmic's not the right word. The cinema the the comic book style pow slam word effects that show up in the room when it went on the screen whenever you um, whenever you hit somebody. It's pretty cool. It's also, I got to say, really inclusive. It has very diverse um, 
population of people in the city, people that uh, Miles is meeting with. Again, this is reflecting what we saw in Into the Spider-Verse, and it was great to see that carried forward. I really appreciated that. My kids really appreciate that. And it's very reflective of the world that we live in. So, what do you like to geek out about? What comic books are you reading? I'd love to know. You can let me know by emailing me at nuketown at gmail.com. You can also find Nuketown on Facebook and Twitter. There's links to those in the show notes. And, of course, at www.nuketown.com.